Hey everybody, welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host, Mike Laidman, and I'm here with none other than... Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our past and we have a look back and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high-praised classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. Hello, hon. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. It's been a crazy few weeks, it but has. we've got a little bit of a lull in the craziness for a few days, and it's nice to talk about a fun movie with you. Yeah, because this is episode 31, mm-hmm. but we recorded it before episode 30. But because of special circumstances. Because of special circumstances, which if you listen to episodes 30, we, we outlined them there, but well, why not? Let's do it here too. Maybe you didn't listen to episode 30, and why not? So episode 30 is Face Off. Mm-hmm. And the plan was that we were staying with your parents because we were showing our house for sale, which is also why this room is echoey because we took half the stuff out of it. And, mm-hmm. and anyway, way to draw attention, to way it. to draw attention to the echo in the room. But we were going to watch face off on VHS because my parents used to own it and yes. they still have a VCR. Yes. And we, I searched all over their house and they've gotten rid of, they still have a ton of VHS tapes, but they definitely have gotten rid of quite a few. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately they no longer own face off. And That's I can right. remember the VHS for that movie sitting down there and it might be in a storage box somewhere in their house. Who knows? But they didn't have face off, but I did discover a movie that I've wanted to do for the podcast, but I was like, well, I know I love this movie. So it kind of almost felt like cheating to talk about it. But at the same time, they had it on the VHS and I figured I was like, that would be a fun way to experience the movies back on VHS again. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about Scream. Scream. Yeah. And it is, like you said, it's a little out of order. So I don't know how we, what we think about Face Off right now, but it was really neat to sit back and watch a movie on that format. Yeah. So it's also not just a, a review of what we thought of Scream, but it's also what we thought of VHS. Well, not just that, <laughs> because I don't, I don't know if you realize, but the nostalgia for VHS is driving the price back up. Yeah, I've heard that. So if you want to collect, because people are collecting them now. So I follow a few people on Instagram, one of which has done one of my tattoos. And they're all talking about like they, they could have gone to a flea market or yard sale and picked up 100 VHS tapes for a dollar because people were just trying to purge them and go to value village or thrift stores and just pick up tons of them. Mm-hmm. Pick them up off Kijiji for like pennies and you can't anymore. If it's like a half decent movie, people are like 10 bucks, 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. It's a popular movie, 50 bucks, 60 bucks VHS. So something like Scream, because it is such a beloved movie, probably has a good price tag on it. So I took the VHS with us. No, we came go. home. Screw your parents. That's our money. They're not going to watch it. <laughs> That's true. So yeah, we watched we watched it on VHS. Do we want to talk about that like outside of our usual parameters? I feel like we'll talk about it once we've talked about what we normally talk about at the start. Okay. Well, in that case, let's get into our format. Tonight on this show, we will be talking about Scream, which originally hit theaters back in 1996. Hello. Hello. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? I'm just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? Because I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. 
began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Like scary movies. What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. You can never have sex. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Get another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Who <laughs> did make the the police are always on track, but they watch prom night and save time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. Everybody's a suspect! Yeah. Not scared, are you? Scream. So let's rewind, shall we? Boom, 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 boom. Rewind like a VHS player. Ugh, that was that was something that was like, oh yeah, we yeah, because it was to like twenty this. minutes into the movie, so we had to rewind it mm. and then rewind it again at the end. So it came out December nineteen ninety six. Notable notables from nineteen ninety six in December. Uh, December first, Wayne Gretzky becomes the first and only player in NHL history to reach the three thousand point plateau. Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player of all time. Yeah, it's insane. Like I actually was reading an article because he turned sixty Which not that crazy. long ago. And there's an article about his his accomplishments. And it's basically like if you cut all of his accomplishments in half or only started from when he was like 30, he's still by far the greatest player of all time. Like he's like better than the, the next top five combined or something crazy like that. It's, yeah. so, the stat is amazing. Yeah, it's insane. And he's from like 20 minutes up the road from us. Yep. Which is also crazy. Yes. We were in his hometown last weekend getting COVID tests. Yes. But that's another story. Yeah, that we don't need to get into. Anyway, no. December 4th, NASA's first Mars rover launched from Cape Canaveral. I don't have anything else to say about Cape Canaveral, but that's neat. Well, Mars rovers being our, our big news now. We're getting that's all these true. pictures from So they've really only been doing this for 25 years, a little less than. Mm-hmm. So December 4th as well. It's the seventh Billboard Music Awards. And the big winner of the night was another Canadian girl, Alanis Morissette. Oh, was it ironic? Don't you think? Don't you think? I'm, I'm specifically asking, was it ironic? Oh, I, I if I was quoting the song, I would have said it was. It was drag a little pill. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. Uh, December 18th. This one really kind of it's one of those ones that made me go like, oh, only and then mm-hmm. December 18th. U.S. TV industry executives agree to adopt a rating system. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That, yeah, now you think about it, it's kind of like a, you would think that that's been there forever, but no, they, they, that didn't pop up for a long time. Less than 25 years at this yeah. point. Crazy, right? We all we all need to be told what's what's good for us. I always remembered when the Canadian ratings first popped up and they would be like superimposed over the American ones and yep. it would be like, it would either fade out too quickly or something like that and you'd see whatever the American rating was. Well, because the Canadian ratings are a little more lax. We're like... Canada is kind of somewhere when it comes to things like that, somewhere in the middle of Europe and America. And we are on a lot of things. We're not quite American. We're not quite European. We're like this like creamy center in between. Creamy center. Okay. Like an Oreo. Fair. So the box office. Yes. 
this is a movie where we couldn't pick it based on its box office, only on its awards. Oh, okay. But it's still a box office success. Obviously, they made- They made four. And there's a fifth one coming. There's a fifth one coming and a TV show and like series of spoofs and- That's true. The scary movie isn't- There's an entire separate franchise that parodied this. Yeah. Started out as a Scream parody. So December 1996 was kicked off top box office by the live action 101 Dalmatians movie. Then it was Jerry Maguire. And then it was not Scream. Scream was beaten by another December 20th release, Beavis and Butthead (laughs) Do America. (laughs) So that means we can do that on the show. Yep, which I have seen. And it brought in $20 million, Beavis and Butthead. Scream only took in $6.3 million on its opening weekend. Wow. It was a horror movie coming out in December. Basically, the execs who, the one tarnish on this movie is it's Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. But they were like, well, for people who like horror movies, there's nothing this time of year that's for them. This will be like a draw for them. And then they were like, oh, shit, it bombed. Mm-hmm. But then the next week it did better. And the next week it did better. And the next week it did better. It never took number one, but it stayed in like the top two or three for weeks. And it eventually took in over $100 million domestic and had a re-release in the spring. So it did, well. did it win number one in the re-release? No. Oh. But it still did well. Um, overall, as we've discussed in this podcast before, the top movies of the year were Independence Day at 191 million, Twister at 184 million, Mission Impossible at 172 million, and Scream was number 13 with 103 million, not counting the re release, because we're only going by the December 1st release. Right, right, right. right. But still, it took in over $100 million domestically on its first run after getting only $6.3 million on its opening weekend. Pretty impressive. It was. Like, it's. Again, they they thought it bombed and they were like, well, crap. And then it just word of mouth and good buzz and people started going to see it. Including you. But you didn't see it that way. No, I don't think I did. I saw Scream 2 and 3 and 4 in theaters, but I... I was only 11 when this movie came out and it was, it was a pretty hard R I'm pretty sure at least mm-hmm. for sure in the States. I'm not sure if it was 14 a cause Canada doesn't even go with like PG 13. We have 14 a. Yeah. But I'm like 90% sure I didn't watch it until it was on home video. I didn't because I know for a fact that the only screen movie I've seen in theaters is four. Really? Yeah. Cause we saw that together. We saw that together. And my brother, he was, he worked, no, he didn't, he didn't work at a VHS store. He had a friend who did Mm. and he would get tapes from him. Mm. And that's how I saw all of the screen movies was from those tapes. Yeah. I feel like we rented it. I remember loving it. I was 11, almost 12 when this came out and we were watching horror movies way too young. But we were really getting into them at around 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Like we'd watch them today, but 11 or 12, I would say, is when we really started getting into them. And then this movie came out and it spoofs, not spoofs, not Serrano, but it it references all these horror movies mm-hmm. and it plays on them. And there's so the only ones, like the big ones I'd seen leading into it were just the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So really, one of the only references I got on the first watch through was the janitor. Right. Yeah. But I knew I was like, this movie's supposed to be like this amazing horror movie and it's new and it's fresh and it's teen and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I have to watch it. And we watched it. I remember loving it. I made my parents buy me the VHS and which 
like I said, we're still sitting there and I had Scream 2 what we didn't grab. I meant to grab Scream 2 because they have that as well. Mm-hmm. But we don't have a VHS player, so I don't even know what the point is. I'm going to take theirs next time we're there. <laughs> they have two. They have two. Just yoink one off the wall. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a Canada. It was 18A. And then 18A for home video, rated R in Ontario uh, for movie, like for the theaters, mm-hmm. um, which R in Canada means you have to be over 18 to see it in theaters. Yeah. Whereas there's 16A, which is you have to be over 16 or with an adult. The first R-rated movie I snuck into was Resident Evil. Color me shocked. <laughs> So it was a hard R. So I know I didn't see it in theaters, but I just, like I said, I remember absolutely loving watching it. And I watched that movie like a ton of times. We were always watching it like sleepovers and everything. And I, but it is a big part of why, like we were, like I said, we were already watching horror movies, but it's a big part of why I was like, why well, I, I have to watch like Friday the 13th now. Cause the opening scene, Drew Barrymore, it's like, who's, you know, the killer on Friday the 13th? Mm-hmm. And she's like, Jason, Jason, Jason. And he's like, that's the wrong answer. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. But Jason is the killer. And then it's like, you know, his mom, Pamela is the killer. And I'm like, well, now I have to see this movie. And mm-hmm. then like they, they do a lot of referencing of Halloween and show clips from Halloween in it. So obviously I had to see that. And it really did ignite more than just like we're watching scary movies to see who could be least scared by scary movies let's just like get scary movies for sleepovers to an actual interest in it as a genre mm-hmm. so that's that's it it's a genre defining film for you yeah 100 percent. interesting so yeah. in that case laura picks double butter and that will be the end of the episode for you <laughs> like we didn't know okay. i know i know you know what's funny because you said when we we realized the face-off wasn't at my parents. And we'd already rented. My parents don't have unlimited internet. No. My parents don't have good internet. No. I rented for you because I love you. And I love you too. Godzilla versus Kong. Mm-hmm. They didn't even finish it. No. Well, also- They fell asleep. They fell asleep, William but also William, William wouldn't go to bed. So we had to stop it for over an hour. But still, you got to see your movie. I did, yes. So I wasn't going to just rent another streaming movie. So I was like, they have Scream. Let's just watch Scream on VHS. It's going to be a treat. I see it today. And you said to me, this Scream is like your favorite movie, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh. Because it's always like I've always said it's my favorite horror movie and horror is my favorite genre. But I'm mm-hmm. like, but I have a lot of movies that I really like. Like, I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I love The Last Unicorn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, those are probably, like, my top three. But when you kind of, like, so Scream's, like, your favorite movie, right? I was like, yes. Yes, it is. I, I can definitively say this is my favorite movie of all time. And it's it's taken me until the ripe old age of 36 to decide, yes, 100%, this is the movie that I would take with me to a desert island. This is the movie that if it was like, you can only watch one movie for the rest of your life or, you know, you'll be smited by the hand of God. Mm-hmm. This would be the movie. To which you also followed up saying, if I gave this a plane, I'd be you, disappointed. you'd be disappointed in me. But if I gave it a burnt, that would be the end of our marriage. Yeah. So stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out if our marriage survives the <laughs> But the podcast review. will go on. The podcast will continue on. <laughs> I mean, hey, we, we, we got a good thing going here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got my show. I got my episode picked for next week. We're not going to miss that. Oh, so. good. Because like we haven't even done technically your last yeah, one. Yeah, we got, still. I technically get two picks in a row, which is nice. But 
so yeah, we 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 watch it on on VHS on on a new TV. We watch it on like an HD TV on an old. So so it's right away. There's already a problem because it's not a CRT. VHSs are made VCRs to run on CRT. So like that that quality looks great mm-hmm. on a CRT. But we didn't watch it on a CRT. We they have it. a CRT. They did have one, but we didn't do that. We watched it on on this HDTV. So right away, the quality is blown up. So it's not as good as it could be right away. And then, like, I guess the tracking was really bad on it. Well, I you- feel like the tape itself is 25 years old. It's probably started to degrade. Probably. It's after how many times you've watched it being your favorite movie and all. Yeah. So there was... and. It wasn't a controller that had manual tracking adjusting. It was only auto smoothing. And it was like, this is doing bullshit. Yeah, the first the first like 10 minutes of the movie looked like scrambled porn. Like, yeah, you know, when not, you, it was like two minutes. Well, I mean, hey, you know what? You remember what it was like when you were trying to catch a glimpse of some naughty shit on the pay-per-view channel. And, it, and you get like 10 seconds before it flipped over into mm-hmm. the scrambled stuff. That's kind of like not that bad, but. Along that, along those lines, mm-hmm. is how it looked at the beginning. So, I mean, whether you want to blame that on a, a great tape degrading or a degrading VCR, I don't know. It's pro- but- it's a big combo, but that in itself was a real throwback to like the quality of watching like rented videotapes back in the nineties, like at sleepovers and these old t- and everything. Like we'd rent these old horror movies from the, the video store, and they'd be in the same shape, but it'd be on the the old tube TVs, but. Mm-hmm. That itself was fairly nostalgic. Well, and even, like, I still loved it. I wasn't, an, I thought I was going to be really annoyed by the bad quality of the, and no, I was like, this is really some nostalgia. What really got me was when about a third of the way through the movie, you realized that the screen was being stretched and then you put it back to its quote unquote proper for three aspect ratio <laughs> instead of the, the stretched 16 by nine. So that was that was interesting, and it was like, oh yeah, this is what this would have looked like. Because I, I was like, it's kind of, is this this isn't letterbox? Like <laughs> you wouldn't have had a letterbox VHS, but yeah, no, it was it was squished, and, and we waited. It was way too long before we realized that, and then we uh, fixed the image, and it just oh, like there wasn't even a warning at the beginning because that's what that's what used to happen was when you had a full screen version, they had a thing that said this film has been modified from its original version mm-hmm. to fit this screen. And mm-hmm. this, this didn't have that. So I didn't think twice until later when you s- change the sizing that it, it was not supposed to be, it was not supposed to be squished like that. So it was, it was certainly a nostalgia trip. That's for sure. And uh, in the world of 4k and HD and all that stuff, I'm happy we have what we have now. That's for sure. Uh, but shall we get into, shall we get into the movie itself at this point? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you didn't write down any notes. You're like, it's my favorite movie. I'm gonna. I have it memorized, like front to back. Yeah, I don't need. I don't need to write down anything. So I wrote down a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel I'm gonna say this right off the top because I feel like I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. I've seen it a bunch of times on VHS. I've seen it a bunch of times on DVD with you because we don't own it on Blu-ray or anything like that. But I've seen this movie. Many well, times. We, we like, own it on DVD. Yeah, that's what I that's what I said. I said we don't have it on Blu-ray. Oh, sorry, I misheard you. I misheard yeah. you. My so, mistake. So we have it. We've watched it. I know we've watched it together at least more than once. So I know the movie. Like I know the plot. I know the killer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And this was the only viewing that I've ever watched this movie 
and knowing who the killer was like bothered me. Oh, almost like I feel like it affected my enjoyment of the movie. We always say that we assume whoever is listening to the podcast knows, you know, they've seen the movie before at least once. And mm-hmm. if, if you haven't, I mean, there's no real way I can talk about it, how I felt without saying the ending. So the boyfriend, I, I'm going to not have everybody's name. It's Billy and Stu. Yeah. Yeah. They're the killers. Yeah. It's Stu Mocker and Billy Loomis. Yes. So they're the killers. And I mean, you see them throughout the entire film. and. Mm-hmm. I don't know why on this specific viewing, it made me hate them so much more as characters. Okay. Like, I'm just, like, all the stuff that I wrote down, like, the the first note that I have besides, this is like watching scrambled porn, because that was the first note I wrote down. My second note was, the boyfriend is super rapey here. Like, and this was the opening scene with... Of Nev Campbell with Sydney when they're in the the bedroom and like not not the scene with Drew Barrymore. Oh, I didn't write down anything for the Drew Barrymore scene because that scene is great. Like that scene, I you know it's it's still tense. It's I really enjoyed that scene. And then we moved on, and then Rapey Big Raperson showed up, and I I was like, oh, no, like this. (laughs) Yeah. And and then and then it goes to the next day, and, and like. I don't know what it was. I, I I went into this with this very negative viewpoint. Like my second note is the principal is very handsy. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, so I don't like the him. My third note is I don't know if it's because I know what happens, but everyone is unlikable. Like everyone, the, the, not, the only people who I, I liked was Dewey and Sydney, And then everyone else sucked. You didn't like Tatum. No, Tatum was a jerk too. She was, they were, anytime they talked about anyone who died, all they did was like make fun of them and stuff. Like a 16 year old girl probably would do. Probably. But for whatever reason on this viewing, it was, I, it just made me not like them. And then, you know, when it came time for them to die, I was like, who cares? They're dying. You know, like. Okay. So I just want to, cause you know who wrote the movie? Right? I do know who wrote the movie. Yes. Okay. So I just want to make sure, cause it's Kevin Williamson, who's known for a lot of teen stuff. Yes. Now, one thing I want to point out about the likability. So at one point, trivia wise, mm-hmm. Skeet Ulrich was not in on the, this movie has comedic undertones, whereas Stu and Randy are comedic relief. So he actually went to Wes Craven at one point and was like, what the hell, man? Like these guys are just goofing off in every scene. Meanwhile, Billy is playing every old Skeet is playing Billy very seriously. Yeah. And Wes had to sit him down. He's like, yes, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. Billy is very serious, whereas Stu and Randy are comedic relief. This movie has comedic elements. It's wittier and such than you would see in most slashers. That's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. And that's when he was like, oh, because he was actually like complaining, like, make them stop goofing off. He's like, no, 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 no. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. And obviously, overall, tone wise, it works. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you're like, no, it doesn't. I hate them. No, not so, just, but that's the thing. I don't think the purpose of Billy or Stu or even Randy is to really like them, mm-hmm. but be interested in their characters. I, I think mostly it comes down to the fact that I'm older and that like now that the, to me, that behavior is rude. And had I been, you know, watching this much earlier, I probably would have been like, ha, that's a funny. Now, how many times have you 
been amused by memes that are pointing out the dire foibles of someone. I don't know. It's 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 a ah! weird. No, but I I mean, I'm no. I'm not saying you're wrong. Like I have definitely been. I appreciate dark comedy. You know, like the that's the, it. what they're doing is called gallows humor. Yeah, I and I understand that, but like for whatever reason, this viewing did not work for me at all. Interesting. Yeah. Like I get gallows humor. I've made gallows humor. You in real life tell me to not make gallows humor style jokes because I do make them from time to time. Yeah. So and I don't see why you're pointing out that I don't like them this time. I just telling you this was my experience in the movie. This was my headspace in the film when we were watching it. Interesting. So that's why when you know when I talk about it later and you're like, well, you sound like you don't like it because this is why I'm talking. <laughs> this is. That's the headspace I was in. Was that I, these? I, I didn't like these characters, and I didn't like the way they were talking. You're giving me death eyes. No, I'm right thinking. Now. I'm thinking, because like the movie is not set up in the way that they want you to feel sad after anyone dies. Mm -hmm. So it probably is a deliberate choice that none of the characters are truly the only one who's who dies who who is someone you'd feel like legitimately like shocked and like saddened by their death is drew barrymore casey mm -hmm. because that was the whole point of that opening scene like that's why like it was drew barrymore's idea because originally they were going to have her be sydney and she was like it will have so much more of an impact if i play casey because i'm the bigger star and the whole point of this opening scene is to shock people like anything can happen mm -hmm. so you take your highest build person and kill them in the first 10 minutes you, the movie then at that point you know to anything can happen mm -hmm. but they don't want you to be like oh, i loved i love tatum and now she's gone they they want you to be like oh shit she died in a garage door mm -hmm. so they're not specifically supposed to be characters you love in that kind of way anyway but uh, you know i i feel like the trope is you at least want you want to feel something for the characters so that you feel something when something bad is happening to them you you you're scared for them when when bad things are happening and really with the exception of sydney and dewey and dewey is not like again spoilers dewey is not placed in any sort of real terror because he goes into the house and then it cuts back to him and he's already been attacked. Yeah. Like he's not placed in a dangerous situation because the danger's already happened to him. Yeah. You know, so there's no moment of like, I, I mean, I'm like, oh no, Dewey. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there's no moment to build up the suspense of will Dewey be okay kind of a thing. I mean, you see him on the porch and what happens when he stumbles out of the yes. house and then you are concerned about Dewey because mm -hmm. like, and it is hard because- You've seen the movie. You know he's. You've seen the. Sequels. I know that you he's, know he's all okay. right. Yes, yes. So, but yeah, like, because the movie is the repartee is very quick and it is very cutting, and that is a big part. And that's what Kevin Williamson too is known for is a lot of this like snappy dialogue, and uh, it's kind of what he's known for with like these teen movies and shows. It's like snappy, witty teens, and these teens are snappy and witty. Like Tatum is. She's kind of a, I don't know what to say hard ass, but she definitely doesn't take shit from anybody. Mm -hmm. Like maybe, maybe it is because like 
her brother's a, a cop and everything else and she needs she wants to like prove she's tough too kind of thing you know yeah so. i mean like i'll give i'll give props one of the notes i did write is the petty bathroom girls are pretty realistic portrayal of shitty girls mm-hmm. so like it's not that i didn't understand that that's what was kind of the point but it it, it just whatever reason this time watching it i i just was like i don't like any of these characters i don't want Man, you really are not going to like It's Always Sunny when I finally get you to watch it. Because you're not, again, it's another show where you're not supposed to like any of the characters in the way that you like them. Mm-hmm. You can be entertained by a character without liking them. I was entertained by Don Draper. I do not like Don Draper. Oh, no, that's that's something different. I mean, I loved Mad Men. I thought that show was great. But the same thing. It's same thing. It's just, not, you know, half the characters in that show are unlikable too. Anyway. Yes. So we get past this first few minutes, Casey said. So then it finally, I get finally, quote unquote, but it moves on. Then you realize Sydney is the main character. Yep. And Sydney has not had an easy last 12 months. Uh, they her, do a really good job of drip feeding out her backstory. Yeah. They don't just like exposition dump it. Yeah. Her mom was murdered. Her mom was raped and murdered. And Sydney was the only witness to like who she thought was the killer. And it wasn't. And like, I'm still like, because Liev Schreiber. It plays Cotton Weary, yeah. and he has a much bigger part in the second one and a smaller part in the third one. But I'm just kind of like, did he know he'd essentially be an extra and then hopefully be back for it? The- because they—that's the thing. When Kevin Williams pitched the script, he already had an outline for two and three, and he was like, "I can have them done." Like he, that was part of his pitch. Was mm-hmm. like, the, "This guy comes back," kind of thing. So was was it given to Lev Schreiber and was like, "Look, you will be in the sequel." I mean, maybe. But at the same time, they didn't think the first week that there was going to be a sequel because it technically bombed the first week. Well, I mean, it could be one of those things where you you plan ahead and hope for the best, right? Yeah. So, yeah, like that was something that always interested me because I I mean, it's not like I follow the career of Lev Shriver, so I don't really know what he was doing at the time. He could have been a glorified extra in this film and it just worked out for him that he became popular enough that they didn't recast him. But again, it could have been exactly what you said, that this was all planned out and it was expected that, oh, yeah, you'll have a bigger part in the second one, provided we get a second one. Yeah, because he he wasn't in, you know what, he wasn't in a lot of stuff before this. He was, it looks like some small parts kind of leading into it. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because he played a much bigger role in number two and then he was in phantoms where ben affleck was was the, the bomb. bomb yeah i mean maybe it was like that whole jennifer lawrence thing you know where jennifer lawrence was not a super popular actress and you know was like a second tier character in the x-men movie and then it was like oh crap now she's a really big actress make her the main character <laughs> you know? like, so. uh yeah uh yeah that's that's a whole other thing but still yeah so then it, it turns and it's it's Sydney and you get fed like like you said drip fed like her her backstory and you know everyone's kind of concerned about how she's handling it and then you meet Gail Weathers who's Courtney Cox who mm-hmm. was the not only the the woman who like reported on the, her mother's case but has written a book about her mother's case but like defending the murderer yes, yeah the quote unquote murderer so Sydney hate but she showed back up in town because obviously it's a big deal and these like lives are reconnecting and they again they do a really good job of how they set up like it's like oh shit she's here and it's like they don't just come out and just full-on are like 
Tatum isn't like, oh, Sydney, look, that reporter from that crappy tabloid show, Gail Weathers, is here. Remember how she wrote a book about your mother's murder and that she defended Cotton Weary, the man you accused of murdering your mother? It's not like that. It's done smartly. It's, Mm -hmm. It's very natural how it's revealed. And there's no just exposition. Bleh. Yeah. They do get into Maureen Prescott's backstory a lot more in the third one, which doesn't really work very well. But it it is done really well in this one that you 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 want more info mm-hmm. about what the hell is up with Maureen. So they obviously they did that with the third one. And then it, like it was a mess. So what can you do? Honestly, the only thing I remember about the third one is that Jane Silent Bob are in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they're making another movie or something, and, and well, they're, they're that's the when they're making tour. Stab. Yeah, they're making Stab, and then they're on, or it's like Stab Two or something. Stab Three. Yeah, so they're making one of the movies, and they're on the set, and Jane, Silent Bob are in the studio tour, and that's like the only thing about that movie I remember. I I feel like also that there is a a, a big fight scene in a house that's supposed to look like her house. Yes, there yeah, is. Yeah. It's the soundstage. It's, yeah, it's the soundstage of her house. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where the ending happens. But anyway, that's about all I remember that movie. Yeah. So they, they get into more of that. So like she gets called in for questioning and her dad's gone on a business trip. But then people start suspecting that, you know, her dad's uh, done something. Yeah, cause because the, Sydney the, gets attacked in her house. Yeah. And she starts getting the, the phone calls. One of the big things about this movie is the, the cell phone calls. And that is, I don't know about you. The cell phone call thing, the only thing, the way they discuss the cell phones is the only thing that really feels that dated about the movie. Yeah, because like he has a cell phone and they're like, what do you do? Why do you have a cell phone? And he's like, everyone has one, Sheriff. And it's just like, but the way it's presented is if you said to someone now, it's like, oh, he had a cell phone on him. He might have done it. It's like. Oh, he had a cell phone on him. It's like, yes, so yeah, does everyone. everyone. What the hell? Does. Like, yeah. you'd be an idiot to not assume everybody's got a cell phone. Mm-hmm. But in 1996, obviously, it was very uh, different. It yeah. was different. So that is the one thing. The fact that like, oh, my God, they were using a cell phone. <gasps> well, that in the blockbuster oh. video. But still. <laughs> but like, that's really the. Yeah. And that was one of the things I did want to kind of bring because Nev Campbell is the star of this movie. Mm-hmm. Nev Campbell was in another big 1996 movie that we have covered. That we have covered. Yeah. Oh, she was in Craft, yes. The Craft. Same movie, or same movie, same year, same actress. To me, The Craft feels so quintessentially a product of the 90s. Mm -hmm. Everything about that movie feels like the 90s. The way they're dressed, the way they talk, the way the the atmosphere in the movie is, the the color in the movie. All of it feels like it's the Mm mid-90s. Scream doesn't have any of that. Their their outfits, save some of the stuff Tatum wears, their outfits are all very, not any real particular style. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, they're not dated. Sydney wears very just, especially being the main actress, like her clothing choices are very just t-shirt jeans. Yeah. Nothing about what she's wearing would really set her. She's not wearing like, what was big in 1996? Um, she's not wearing... A spaghetti strap floral dress with a white t-shirt and Doc Martens. Yeah. You know, like she, she doesn't have butterfly clips in her hair all the time. And I think I did see a couple of people with butterfly clips. Probably. But, but the one thing also in the same vein is the movies they talk about also do not date the film. Because at the same time, if you made a movie today mm-hmm. about horror movies, say, say Scream has never been made. Yeah. And they made a movie about 
horror films and, you know, they make Scream today. Mm-hmm. They're still going to talk about the same movies. Yes, 100%. Like, and that's one of the things that keeps it fresh, too, is because you can't talk about classic slashers without talking about the same classic slashers. Yeah. Like, like you're not going to talk about the 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 Nightmare on Elm Street remake or anything no, like that. No, that's you're going to talk about the OG and yeah. maybe three. Yeah. Like you're going to talk about the original Halloween and none of the stuff with, you know, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Not the Paul Rudd one. Not the Paul Rudd one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I watched that again recently. That's it's, the second time we've talked about Paul Rudd and Halloween on the show. It's, it's interesting. Well, we did Clueless. So, yeah. but yeah. It's one of the things, but see, this is one of the things about this slasher that kind of became a bit more, especially with, uh, cause it was followed up pretty closely after by, I know what you did last summer, mm-hmm. which similar thing where it was like the mass killers, you don't know who the killer is in Friday the 13th. You didn't know who the killer was at first. And then it was very obvious who the killer was in the second and third and fourth because you knew it was Jason. Yeah. But the first one, you didn't know who it was. But other ones, like Halloween, like you knew off the hop it was Michael Myers. Like there's no like, who is it? You know, you know, it's who this guy is. The whodunitness of this movie is much more even in I Know What You Did Last Summer. It's like, you know, it's not one of the main four right from the get go. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Scream, it literally could have been anyone. And right near the beginning of the movie. Billy gets accused. He's like the main character's boyfriend, and Billy gets accused right away. Yeah, and then gets gets released, and they're chatting about it, and it really sets it up that like it literally could be anyone. Like, I did take a note actually that Tatum took Billy being the killer really well. They go to Tatum and Dewey's house that night. She stays over with them. Yeah, and yeah, they're just sitting there talking. She's like, "Man, who would have thought it was Billy?" And it was like, "Are you?" (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. literally no like but like, oh my goodness you know she took you know you know well. how you know how to well you've never been you know a teenage girl but right. like Stu and billy are best friends sydney and tatum are best friends mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that tatum thinks billy is a good boyfriend or vice versa Stu and sydney yeah yeah but i feel like every time i've gotten the impression that tatum doesn't really care for billy Mm -hmm. but she's just like look it's my best friend's boyfriend and my boyfriend's best friend i mean i'm kind of stuck with him Mm -hmm. and then if him getting arrested for murder means she doesn't have to deal with him anymore like she's because billy is a fair bit of a grump Mm -hmm. the only time in the whole movie he does anything that's like silly cute boyfriend stuff is when he comes in through the window and then he hides and he's like oh close call with the teddy bear and after that he's just a complete grump the whole time yeah i like literally his character for, for me this viewing took an enormous spike after the puppet thing yeah i know he he is and we find out as the movie goes on like he's obviously quite disturbed yes and he's all like my mommy left because my daddy cheated mm-hmm. and i'm sad about it so yep. i think murdering people is a way to express it and yep. it's just like yeah he's a He's a ding- and as we've discussed with our neighborhood kids, yes, Billy is the manipulative bad seed, and Stu, Stu is the impressionable yep. idiot who just is along for the ride. And everyone at this point knows that Billy and Stu are the the killers. Like, and I'm not talking in the movie, but I'm talking about like in real life. In yeah. real life, but like it becomes very clear very quickly that Sydney is who they're after. Killing Casey was a because she. She dumped Stu for Steve. Mm-hmm. And two, to put the fear in people. Yeah. And that's it. 
And it wasn't like, oh, we'll just kill people to kill people. It was like, it was deliberate why they picked those two people. But as the things go on, they, they, they end up killing the principal yep. because I don't know really why they killed Henry. Probably because they were like getting bad grades or something. I don't know. I feel like the principal was a like a red herring for like two minutes. Like they, like they did this whole thing with him where he's like he's putting on the, the, he's like yeah. Well, he put on the mask and he's swinging the sword, the sword, <laughs> swinging the sword around, <laughs> he's swinging the knife around, and then with like sound effects and everything, and it was like. And he's he's kind of like I told you, one of the notes I wrote was that the principal's a little handsy and kind of creepy. So I feel like he was like a red herring for like 30 seconds and then and then he is killed. So, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like him, honestly, him being killed is probably just to up the body count a little because mm-hmm. there's really not that many people who die in the movie. Yeah. So a lot of people survive their win their the injuries, their injuries, <laughs> their, their wounds. Yeah. Yeah. So you get into whole town's shut down for a curfew nobody's going out what are kids gonna do yeah, as we've learned through the quarantine where the curfew is yes. really kids are gonna party kids are gonna party people are gonna party so they all go to that's the other thing these kids are like what is it like napa valley these kids all live in these beautifully yep. huge modern farmhouses their families are all wealthy obviously so they, they're gonna go party at stews and drink beer and watch horror movies mm-hmm. And this is this has literally been set up to slice and dice, as they say. Yeah. But they all go in there. They're watching like Halloween, and they're that's when you really like. Randy is there to basically explain explain to the audience. Like he explains the movie store, and he explains in the the party is how horror movies work, mm-hmm. and the movie does break it down pretty pretty clearly. This one it is a little more clear, but it has kind of held up as like classic the mm-hmm. way it's explained. It's like, you know, in a scary movie, it's here's the kind of people to suspect. Here's this, here's that. But there's rules to follow in a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the the final girl, there's a final girl. She has to be a virgin. Like you can't say I'll be right back. You yeah. can't sin. Like, so drinking and sex is out and drugs are out or else you'll die. They do like a really good job of dumbing that down for people who didn't go to like film school. Yeah. Just, but they're having this party and they're watching this movie and the kids like, yeah, are getting all drunk and blah, blah, blah. And that's unfortunately what's going to happen to some of them is because of this are going to die. Yes. I did enjoy, though, earlier in the movie that Sydney, while they're talking, she's on the phone for the first time. She makes a comment about hating horror movies because the, the women are so stupid and they yeah. run up the stairs instead of out the front door. And then she does exactly that like 10 seconds later. But she has no choice. The doors is like, yeah, I know, I know, but, uh, but I thought the... that that was a voice. It's, it is. it's obviously the, the point is, is I remember that being in the trailer. Yes. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. But the movie does, it, it is very tongue in cheek. It's own genre, but in like a, it respects its genre. It, it appreciates its genre, mm-hmm. but points out lovingly the tropes that, the genre like she runs up the stairs but she's smart she goes into a room where she knows she can keep the killer from getting in Mm because her bedroom door has that closet door that prevents the door from opening Mm -hmm. so she's sydney is smart like she she knows how to take care of herself which is great like she she goes toe to toe with two killers and comes out on top Mm -hmm. right like but i want to get into the party okay because like really the first half of the movie is basically setting up for this party Mm -hmm. And like the whole movie itself only takes place over a couple days. But a lot of these horror slasher movies do. It's not like it's drawn out. But yeah, they go to this party and Tatum very sadly is, um, well, you you seem to not care because you didn't like Tatum this time. 
But yeah, she has a like she Rose McGowan has a great scene where like she thinks someone's just goofing on her because and I think I think a lot of people in that situation would probably feel the same way because your brain doesn't like to accept that like oh shit this this is not good. Well, also people have been goofing on everybody yeah. the whole movie. Like people are running through the hallways dressed yeah. as the killer at so, school. So So I understand why she doesn't like oh shit run. She thinks it's her boyfriend being a jerk and like playing a prank on her or Randy. Cause Randy's all about these sorts of pranks and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, we don't know who was the killer at that point. It might've been her boyfriend. We actually do. And we, oh, we do. It. Oh, okay. In the mm. trivia, I suppose this is. Yeah. No, no, there's, there's actually, there's, well, I'll talk about it right now. There's, there's, there's YouTube videos, but Kevin Williamson has flat out said who's, who's killed who at certain points. And there's like videos breaking down that like, you know, you can tell it's, this person doing it because oh no wait Stu's at the he's like watching the tv she leaves and he's still there so yeah so it's really at this point the the way one of them is billy is the one who chokes Mm -hmm. and Stu is like the one hand over his head with the knife and i think billy is more the two hands if i remember the videos that i've watched on it correctly basically they do have and it is throughout the movie you can tell who is who based on even though it's neither of them in the ghost face suit but like for the actual choreography Mm -hmm. billy and billy chokes sydney when he's unmasked at the end too Mm -hmm. but billy when you see billy choking someone or ghost face choke that's billy and i'm pretty sure like i said i'm pretty sure the one hand up with a knife is stew and two hands is billy I could have that flip flop. Right. Anyway, I do have the breakdown of who killed Hill, who, and we'll talk about it and who attacked who. Okay. But no, and then like so, Tatum tries to get away by climbing through cat door because she has no control over the the garage door. Which one? I don't know if a garage door would be strong enough to pull up a human body. Yeah, I know she's probably pretty skinny. Yeah. Well, she's actually so small they had to nail her shirt to the inside of the door because she could just get out of it and kept falling out. Yeah, I, like she was small I, enough to get out very easily. Mm-hmm. So her getting stuck in it was a little movie magic. Yeah. yeah. We have to just like suspend some disbelief on that one. Yeah. She could have very easily have just like do 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 and out the door she goes like a little kitty. But no, it was Tatum, unfortunately. Yeah. Which is sad because you know, Dewey and Tatum are siblings. And originally they were like, mm, are we going to kill Dewey? Are we not? And that's why they kind of left his. His fate a little ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they that'd be sad for their family is uh both kids dead, yeah. Yeah. Cause you meet their mom because like she seemed really nice and mm. blah blah blah. But yeah, so but nobody knows Tatum's dead because nobody's going out to the garage, no one's going walking to that part of the house, no one knows she's dead. Like Sydney shows up and Sydney finds out later during later the, yeah, during the running her, scene. Yeah. yeah. But like then Billy shows up at the party and she can't find Tatum and then Billy shows up and they're like, Oh well, maybe we'll talk and Blah blah blah, and Sydney breaks the cardinal final girl rule and mm-hmm. sleeps with Billy. But like, I understand why she's like he's obviously been pressuring her. Which I mean, she's sixteen; mm-hmm. it's not really her fault. She's sixteen, seventeen, right? And then immediately, Billy is killed. Quote of that scene. I remember watching that scene and like being like. I thought it was Billy and he's now he's dead. It wasn't yeah. Billy. Oh my God. Like <gasps> now I am because I, I, I remember watching it for the first time and thinking it was Billy who was doing it. Cause like, and that's the other thing. Like I still remember being blown away, finding out there, there was two killers. 
spoilers. Because mm-hmm. this is before, you know, you'd read the spoilers on the internet. Like I, the first time I saw it was the first time I really knew anything about it. Mm-hmm. That scene, I still remember being shocked. And I really would love to know the layout of Stu's house. Because <laughs> like she goes out a door and sort of down a half step. And then he comes out a different door and down the same half step. And it's like, what? Wait. And then she's she doesn't go up into an attic but somehow she's in an attic and i'm like what Mm -hmm. it's a very interesting house i would love to see a floor plan (laughs) yeah she gets away she's like jumping from a root well she doesn't jump the killer like lets her go and she falls thankfully onto a boat and like i just can't help but wonder because the killer like throws her off sort of and it's like i'm pretty sure they've got this thing whole set up to like be a big reveal for her at the end to be like, haha, Sydney, your mom was a slut, so we hate you too. And it's like, kids are stupid. Yes. But still, like, if she just fall into her death in that moment, doesn't their whole plan just kind of uh, fall apart? I know their whole plan really was to become famous for surviving and not being the killers. Yes. But really, killing Sydney is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And like to do it theatrically. So just letting her fall off her roof probably wasn't what they wanted. No, anyway. probably not. But anyway. Yeah, so she she gets away and like she manages to outsmart like she she has a few run-ins with them like and you know Gail and Dewey are off being flirty flirts and that doesn't end well for them and No, no it doesn't. But no, and like Gail and Dewey are kind of doing their own subplot of flirting and stuff. And then we see in future movies they do get together and mm-hmm. they're kind of on and off for a bit. But we think at one point both of those characters are dead. She's in a big car accident because she, like she's driving the news van because her her cameraman is one of the few people who die and he dies pretty like oh it's just the throat slit like just yeah, but like yeah. his is out of all the deaths is probably the the tamest the tamest one. He so Gail and Sydney are both basically on their own now and Gail gets into a car wreck and you think she's dead and then Sydney literally is like on her own. And she very smartly, so she shows back up the house and she, she's she got the gun, Dewey's gun off him. Because then she sees Dewey and thinks, yep, you know, and she, she, she pulls out his gun and then Stu and Randy show up and they're accusing each other. Like, no, it's him. No, it's him. No, it's him. I don't know about you. I always found that scene pretty funny. The accusing each other one? Yeah. Or? Just like not like ha 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 funny, but like dark humor funny. Mm-hmm. And she very smartly is like, fuck you both and slams the door on them. Like, mm-hmm. She's like. No, and then oh, Billy's alive. And yeah, it's like oh, you know, she loves him. And then we get to the truth. Billy is psychotic. Yep. And he lets Randy in, and she, like shoots Randy, and turns out Stu's been in on it all along. And the whole two killer reveal, like holy crap, they've kidnapped her dad, and because they're going to frame him, they're going to frame her dad because he went nuts on the one year anniversary of his wife's death and everything. And they're going to be like the sole survivors. And then these two idiots, they like stab each other and Stu's lines where he's like, you cut me too deep and I'm getting woozy here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's ad libbed. Oh yeah. Okay. And Wes Craven loved it. He left it in. And it's the same thing as like when Sydney Gail shows up and distracts Sydney for Sydney long enough to get away. And, then she starts making calls because she she's like grabbed her dad who was hidden in a closet and she grabbed the uh, the, the voice changer voice and the changer, cell phone. Yeah. So she, now she's calling them. And Stu is in rough shape already. Like he's obviously been stabbed too deep and he's bleeding out and they're on the phone. And that's one thing is, I don't know about you. I've always found that because 
Billy just goes over the top psychotic and Stu is like still goofy. Yeah, he's very, he's very pathetic. Yes, he's yeah. pathetic and goofy. And the scene where uh, they're on the phone and Billy drops the phone on Stu and he's like, you hit me with the phone, dick. Yeah, yeah. And when he holds the phone up and he's like, did you really call the cops? Yes, and yes. Sidney's like, you bet your ass I did. My mom and dad are going to be so mad at yep. me. Yep. Ad-libbed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He ad-libbed all that. And Wes Craven loved it and kept it in because he's he's a funny guy. See, I, I wrote. I, this is something I wrote down. I said, watching their plans fall apart is amazing. Like, Which is it's, why it's, you're not supposed to like them. Like, that's the thing. You're like, I didn't like them. It's like, well, you're not really. You're, you're supposed to be surprised, especially on your first viewing, that it was one, both of them, mm-hmm. and why. But if you really like loved them as like characters, like, oh, I really like it. I hope they survive. But to see them have their plants blow up in their faces and be the killers and everything like that, I don't think it'd be as satisfying if you were like, these two dudes are idiots. Well, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Because it is satisfying. It is satisfying watching everything blow up in their faces. And having Sydney, who was such a likable character, get one up on them. Yeah. Yeah, outsmart the two of them physically take both of them down when she's obviously smaller than both of them mm-hmm. and she outwits them outwit outplay uh-huh. outlast she's the survivor she is the sole survivor so well gail survived and dewey survived and well they survived but like and still. so did jamie kennedy yeah <laughs> anyway randy, randy. And anyway and her dad anyway. but yeah so she she manages that, and then she throws on the costume and she stabs billy with an umbrella yes and did you want to know? So that's a stuntman in the suit again. Mm-hmm. Skeet Ulrich had open heart surgery as a kid. And he had padding where he's supposed to get hit with the umbrella, but it slipped and it did hit him in like some like sensitive spots for him. Mm-hmm. So his reaction getting hit by it is genuine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, and then and that's one of the so Stu out of the two of them, like the two and Randy too, they're all obsessed with scary movies and TV and everything. Stu tends to get into a bit more in the goofy way is billy billy is more like your oh yes i'm a film critic and i he's an aficionado very seriously mm-hmm. whereas Stu is like i love these movies ah uh, horror movies let's talk about horror movies you know mm-hmm. having a tv a dropped TV on, his head, on his head as how he dies mm-hmm. is pretty brilliant mm-hmm. it's very fitting very and fitting. i do like that like they're like this is where the killer comes back for one last scare because they always do yeah and he does he does for say and she shoots him in the head she's mm-hmm. like not in my movie mm-hmm. and it's like yeah She's supposed to say something else at that moment. Like originally they had it in the script. It was supposed to be something else. And they were like stupid and they changed it to that and it yeah. was much better. And yeah. And then Gail is okay. And she literally goes on camera, like all beat up and car crashed. And she's like, with a new cameraman immediately. I know. Where'd that guy go? Poor from? Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. So, and one of the things, and the song that plays as the the movie kind of like comes to an end love the song that plays yeah like, it's a great just, song yeah the whole soundtrack is fantastic everything about it this movie's fantastic so can i go over yes with you mm-hmm. who is who sure there's quite a few one of the best videos i watched on it is by a guy named zach cherry mm. but i just have like a quick list on like the confirmed ones and everything so the person on the phone with casey is billy mm-hmm. and Steve is killed by Stu, which is confirmed by someone who worked on the film. Mm-hmm. Billy attacks Casey through the window because okay. the both of them are. It's yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. But Stu is the one who kills Casey. And that was confirmed 
by Kevin Williamson. Mm -hmm. The person who calls Sydney is Billy. The first time she gets called. Mm -hmm. Sydney's attacker is Stu because mm -hmm. Billy is too quick for him to, to have been, changed, been there. Yeah. Right. And then the grunting noise that you can hear some noise that is Stu. The person who calls Sydney at Tatum's house is Stu because Billy's in jail. And that's confirmed as well. It wasn't because Sydney sense, has this yeah. theory. He's like, maybe you're used one phone yeah, call to call me. Call. Mm -hmm. And because at that point she had no idea there was two killers running around. Mm -hmm. So, but like it was Stu. So apparently the person that, because uh, Sydney gets attacked in the bathroom, they have confirmed that that was a prankster. Really? Okay. Yeah. Principal Hembry was killed by Billy because Stu was busy at the party. Yep. So it, throughout the movie, you kind of see a bit of, in the background, you'll see the ghost face kind of there, there like a few times. It's kind of been up for debate whether it's it's either Billy or it's supposed to be like, mind tricks. Right, right. Then Tatum is killed by Billy because Stu is entertaining his guests and nobody knows Billy is there yet. Mm -hmm. Billy's murder is obviously murder, quote unquote. For Stu. Stu, yeah. And Stu chases Sydney through the house, obviously, because Billy's dead. Yep. And then uh, Kenny is killed by Stu because Billy is still, is in, the still house. in the house pretending to be dead. Yeah. Dewey is attacked by Billy in the house while Stu is out looking for Sydney. Mm -hmm. Let's see. And then, yeah, the second time Sydney is chased, that's Billy now. Okay. And then obviously we know Randy is shot by Billy because we see it. And then Billy and Stu kidnapped her dad together. Yeah, those are the ones that weren't obvious. Like where they were in costume. Mm -hmm. So that's that is generally the the breakdown of who is who in the ghost face costume throughout the movie. Cause there are some scenes where it really could be either. Yeah. But then knowing this information and then breaking down scene by scene, like I said, this this guy on YouTube, his name is Zach Cherry, he breaks down a lot of the body language they use. And it is very much like it's been confirmed that this is Billy. It's been confirmed by the this stew. And you can piece together all the murders by the body language and location. There you go. So, and he's actually got videos for every one of the movies, which is pretty neat. Because the only movie where there's only one killer is three. Mm -hmm. Which is, I know they were trying to be like, it's always two, so we got to make it one this time. They could have yeah. made it three killers. They could have. That would have really surprised people. Very much so. So anyway, could have been caught in all along. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, I just, I always thought that was a fairly interesting to because like one of the big things that for a long time was well who who killed who who killed who and we now know who killed who there you go it's so. all been deciphered for us yeah someone else did a lot more work than I did and I just you just it. regurgitated it into our podcast for them well you know the people who listen to well, this you, podcast you, you credited, might not have known that you credited who is who who, who is, I got so, most of that information from so there so. you go. go watch that video and, and it was really good he's very entertaining he talks a lot about horror movies and he knows his stuff so there you go free yeah. plug to however many people listen to this podcast yeah so that's what we thought about this movie critics in 1996 had their own thoughts so laura why don't you fill us in on some past reviews so this movie is very unique in that it's critical score and audience score are the same at 79 oh weird oh hmm Janet Maslin of the New York Times says, Craven wants things both ways, capitalizing on lurid material while undermining it with mocking humor. Adam Smith of Empire said it's clever, quick, and bloody funny. And our old boy, Roger Ebert, says, I liked it. I liked the in-jokes and the self-aware characters. At the same time, I was aware of the incredible level of gore in this film. And the funny thing is, it's not that it's not bad. That gory. No. 
it's not just my for a big name movie because yeah. it is it was really it did so well you would consider it a block with that many sequels and stuff but like sequels that have done well mm-hmm. with big stars it, it is a because uh, it's not like scream four is no friday the 13th part four it's got big name actors in it and like did well at the box office and blah 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 but anyway it has won a ton of awards the international horror guild named it best film in 1996 the saturn awards it won for best actress best horror film best writing for kevin williamson and nominated west craven for directing supporting actress keith Ulrich and supporting actress drew baymore mtv movie awards won best picture and nev was nominated for best actress fangoria chainsaw awards it was best film best actress best supporting drew baymore and best screenplay cleaned up sounds like so there you go well, okay. Well, I, I guess the only thing that's left to do is to give your double butter because oh, a hundred percent. Like no this, way you're not this giving movie a double is butter. fantastic from start mm-hmm. to finish, and I'm what was my heart rate at waiting for for you for my answer. Well, that's not bad. Okay, okay. So divorce. So divorce. Okay, I'm just trying to think of the best way to say this because I mean I, I know this is like your favorite movie now like we've established this is your favorite movie of all time i'm not very good at making decisive choices when it comes to favorite so this is a big one for you so it's probably good that i'm giving it a double butt okay thank god because it is definitely your acting skill on that i was like he's gonna call it a plane and i knew you weren't gonna call it a double or you were gonna call it a a burnt burnt, no no there was no way you were gonna call it a burnt but I was like really worried that you were going to be like, I got to give it a plane. I'm so sorry. No, I, I mean, like I've said, I, I, I've seen this movie a bunch of times and I don't know what it was about this viewing that really made me like Ugh, the characters. But like it doesn't just just that doesn't change the fact that the rest of the movie is so well done. Like like it, it's the the way that it's set up is, is, is well done. The mystery is very well done. It's obviously as you just laid out, it's very well planned. How everything goes. I mean, the the killer reveal is, is great. Watching the killers bumble their way through the final act is is awesome. You know, like like it's it's great. Like it's a really good movie. The horror scenes are tense. You know, even though I know what's going to happen, still they were still. You know, it, it, it's a great movie. And yeah, double butter. Thank God. You want to know something funny? Hmm. When it comes to genres, overall, I would say our most successful genre that we've done rewatches on mm-hmm. is horror. Yeah. Because every horror movie we've done is double butter so far. Not every. But most. You didn't you didn't give uh, oh, Exorcist. Right. Um, and if we count Interview of the Vampires a horror, which it's, I wouldn't, I'd be more of a to. drama. Other than that, they're like Alien, Double Butter, Army of Darkness, Double Butter. I I wouldn't consider the craft a horror film. Like it's, I don't know what I. It's not horror. A Friday Thirteenth was double. Exorcist, you gave it a plane. I gave it a double. It is. It might be like might be our most successful genre, dear. Male, maybe because you pick so many horror movies. There's not actually that many. There's only been like four, with the exception of Alien. You've picked all of them. So so three. Well, actually, no. You said Army of Darkness. I picked that. Anyway, okay. Never mind. Never mind. But I would Apparently say, I don't, and I wonder, do we hold them to a lower standard because they're horror or <laughs> horror movie is just better? And I'm going to go with the latter. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. I guess that's going to do it for this week's episode. It's a double butter all around. Yay. So that's it for this week's episode. Next week, we will be looking at a hacker movie, but not that hacker movie because there's no way that movie met any of our criteria. 
we will be looking at 2001's Swordfish. <laughs> I've never seen it. You've never seen it? I've never seen it. It's like the first Hugh Jackman movie post X-Men. I know that. And I, yeah. you know how much I know about this movie? I remember Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, and John Travolta presenting an award at the MTV Movie Awards. And she's like, I let you see these and points at her boobs. Yeah, she, she And I say, now it's your turn. And the two guys start to like do a strip tease. And I'm just like, this is. And that was when I was like, what, 16? And even then I was like, this is awkward. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun because it's either going to be, I mean, again, it's your first time seeing it. You're either going to love it because it's so ridiculous or you're going to hate it because it's so ridiculous. So like, like it, it's one of those movies where it's about computers, but the person who wrote it, because clearly never touched a computer in their life, not even to write the screenplay. Gotcha. So, so yeah, it's it's gonna be Swordfish from two thousand and one, uh, and yeah, that that's uh, what you can look forward to as our movie next week. But for this episode of Burnt Popcorn, I am Mike. I'm Laura, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Bye.